Hello, students. Welcome to Detention. I am everyone's favorite co-host, the Caleb G. But today I am Professor Crunch, and that means my job is taking care of you hooligans that have gotten stuck here after hours in the RPG Academy. Uh, today I have brought with me Scott and Matthew to assist in doing whatever we're going to do. How we doing tonight, gentlemen? Howdy, all you kids out there in Radio Land. I think we're doing fine. You're my favorite co-host, too. And I wish you were my forever co-host. We could get Aww. that on a little necklace. <laughs> It'd be really cute. Well, I don't know. I'm about to have a 5K run with your wife to, to for pink slips, I think, for you. So you might be moving, boy, come come November. I I feel like this is a uh, a sitcom, and I need to be out there on the race doing some wacky race hijinks, but I don't know which side I'm supposed to be cheating for. Well, see, that's the thing. You cheat for each side, like like you go back and forth. Like oh, it's, I do I, I do it equally, so it's yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's fair, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's your goal to achieve like a dead tie, right? Yeah, so nobody exactly. wins the pot, exactly. Like and then we all just go upstairs to the hotel room and play who's in my mouth. I love that game. That's such a great game. <laughs> it's, it's one of the best games. Speaking of that, did you hear <laughs> that uh, he got cast in the American Gods show? You know what? I'm upset about it. But, but he's, he's Robbie. But he's, he's Robbie, a, so it's he's perfect. Yeah, he should be in episode one, two, maybe three, and then that's it. I, I think he should be about five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. And that's it. <laughs> great. All right. So sidetrack. Sidetrack. <laughs> That's our first tangent of the night. All right, everybody. So uh, even though this is only detention number two, we already have our established pattern in place. So we are going to kick off with extracurricular activities. What have we been up to these past few days here, guys? That's that's a really great question. Um, I recorded a podcast the other day for watching ant-man for my uh my new podcast called zeros talking heroes we watch a show we talk about it we make fun of each other we rate it and then we move on with our lives and um yeah it was fun you, you know what i miss about zeros talking heroes what i miss i miss one two three friendship do you really please put that on twitter Please, because I, I love, I love that, one, two, and everyone hated it. And I was like, I hate all of you. We need a stupid gimmick. That was our stupid gimmick. I made it up, and you guys all suck. And they were like, no, it's so gay. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm going to start the hashtag, bring back one, two, three, friendship. Actually, usually when I post about the podcast, I do hashtag three, two, one, friendship. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> okay, great. All right, good. This, I've, this I've be been done. liking... Yeah, I've been liking Zero's Talking Heroes um, so far. Thank you. I, I, I disagree with uh, some things sometimes, but that's please that's please to... put those a bit please put those opinions in an email and send them to us. No, I I think this is the venue for voicing those firmly held wrong beliefs. I mean, you have to share with the class. That's right. Share with the class. Yeah. I don't know. Great. Well, he's he's actually the professor, Scott. We're just the uh, we're just the temp employees hoping to get tenure. Remember? I I typically agree. I I think I. It's weird. I most frequently disagree with Corey, but then I absolutely agree with him the next episode. So (laughs) it's it's weird. 
you know what? Corey has a very interesting opinion, and I understand exactly what you mean. So how was uh, how was Ant Man? What was the opinion on Ant Man? Uh, we all basically liked it, and everyone gave it a really high score. And I think for the first time, I gave it the lowest score. And there was no other reason for me giving it the lowest score other than it's just like it was Ant Man. Like I really love the movie, but it's still Ant Man. Like, and I don't give a shit. You know, like Guardians of the Galaxy is a fantastic movie where it's like, I'm like, oh, this is cool. But at the end of the day, it's still like, oh, Ant-Man. Hmm. Right. It's it's a bunch of jokes about a character that eventually gets really, really abusive and horrible. Yep. Well, well, no, not this one, which I I did read about. I was like, oh, shit, that's why they went to Scott Lang instead of uh, <laughs> instead of what's his name? Yep. Pim. Pim. Yeah. Uh so the comics got dark and gritty? I'm not familiar. Yes. See here, Scott, uh, there's this principle out there. When they run out of good stories, they just do horrible things and hope it generates uh, plot. Oh, it's, it's, it's the WWF, right? You're introduced as a good guy, but once they run out of play for you being a good guy, then you just become a bad guy. Pretty I think much. they call that the face and the heel. Thanks, Jim McClure. I learned that from you. Oh, talking tabletop with gentleman GM Jim McClure. Oh, he doesn't so handsome, that gentleman. Don't give yeah. him that moniker. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna I... give him that moniker, but he did yeah. just fund his Kickstarter. So good. Yeah, good I know. For good Jim. for him. Congrats, Congrats yeah, good on. for Jim. And, and Caleb and I have a, an idea with those rules that I think is pretty great and pretty topical if we get it done soon. Possibly. I mean, uh, but l- let's just leave it as a hanger. Let's call that yeah. a teaser and yeah. stop. Yep. So what about you, Scott? What uh, what have you been <laughs> up to this past week? Ooh, uh, you know, I've been uh, binge-watching YouTube. And uh, more specifically, I've been watching a whole lot of Dragon Ball Z Abridged. The wow. superior fan cut of Dragon Ball Z. Have you guys seen any of that? I've seen parts of it, yes. I, I, have, I, I usually have watched all of it live, though. So watching it abridged just makes me go, oh my god, you know how many weeks of my life I wasted in these five minutes? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. The bridge is so much better. All right, so I, I grew up watching the American dubbed DBZ on Toonami. Yeah, Toonami. So, uh. Right? With the robot, the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, mm-hmm. I remember when it was uh, Moltar, who, who was who – was and then it went to Tom, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so yep. I spent summers, entire summers, watching characters scream and power up. So So – Yep. So Thirty me. minutes at a time. Watch their hair grow. You'd watch rocks levitate nearby them for oh twenty solid minutes. And oh then God. flashback, flashback upon flashback. Upon flash them. sideways, flash sideways, flash sideways. Flash to a oh, yeah. planet that's a million miles away. Flashback. Namak is going to be destroyed in five minutes. It takes fifteen episodes to get episodes. through. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right, so what is DBZ abridged, Scott? So it's it's uh like a uh, the it's it's the epic send up of of exactly what you've described, right? They they uh they've redubbed it. They've they've cut out all that tedious charging up and and they have a new audio track that basically just makes fun of the series as it goes, right? They <laughs> accentuate personalities that they thought were annoying. They underscore gigantic plot holes and they uh blow past uh you know, entire half seasons worth of stuff in one episode when nothing <laughs> happened. It's amazing. In in the first season of 10 episodes, they got uh all the way through the uh 
Oh, what is it? The, the first encounter with Vegeta where he's finally ejected from the planet, right? And and that was a good, like, 45-something episodes in the original series. I don't know. But, uh, wow. yeah, it's it's uh, it's good. It's awesome. Cool. It's a good time. I, I, uh, for those kiddies at home who, who, uh, who like us, have horrifying memories of, of hours of time wasted, or if you'd like to feel superior to us and not waste hours of your time watching the original Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z abridged, highly recommended. Well, there, there's something definitely about earning your nerd chops by sitting there just suffering through mm-hmm. someone they got screaming. Us. They got us hook, line, yeah. and sinker. We watched uh, every goddamn week. Like, we I did. used to run from the bus stop to my house so I could get there in time to watch it. Yeah, well, I mean, see, but but honestly, that's because entertainment has get improved, right? It's advanced. It's gotten better. People talk about, you know, oh, back in the day, we had video games without tutorials that were really hard and terrible. And I'm like, yeah, that's because game technology was shitty, right? And we would settle for less. <laughs> now they have good games with good tutorials that actually make you feel like you're succeeding, progressing, doing something meaningful, right? And you go back and play these awful games and they're awful, right? Do you remember having explained to your, like, big brother or little brother or somebody how Mario worked, right? Like, this is jump. You have to jump. Oh, if you touch those things, you die. Like, it's it's terrible. Yeah, that's true. I, I do miss manuals, though. I miss manuals and, yeah. and the maps. I miss opening a game box and seeing a book in it. But that, that, that's just uh, me. That was a very special and unique and wonderful experience. I remember getting a limited edition game box for Ultima Online. It mm-hmm. came with a cloth map and like a pen and yeah, yeah, yeah. 400 pages worth of dull lore that I never cracked open. Although I would like to go on the record by saying um, I was never a fan of the boxes that the video games came in that were useless. Like, for instance, Game Boy boxes. No one saved those boxes because they were just cardboard. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. You right. could get cases for them, but they didn't give you the case when you bought the game, and I always hated that. So you have yeah, like I, this loose I tin liked... of like video games bouncing around. Yeah, I liked having a, a shell case for my games to protect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah a... I mean they're built in a case. It's it's, it's not like they've got the memory so. chips just exposed to air, getting chipped in your pocket. I firmly believed that. Uh, having that exposed little circuit board at the bottom of the cartridge was the worst thing in the world, and it had to be protected at all costs. Mario's going to leak right out of there. I was oh my scared. God. Imagine, if, imagine if his red costume fell off and he just had to play nude for the rest of the time you had that game. Right. Yeah, what if I lost his costume? That Ugh. Ugh. Those poor I, Goombas, when he jumps over their head, just... Flashing. I feel like we we uh, have a new nude mod objective for the <laughs> DOSX which, emulator. Uh, tangent from Goombas, they are supposed to be uh, chestnuts, just in case anyone is wondering. Chestnuts. Really? Yep, yep that's what I the Goombas thought they were little uh, circumcised cocks. Nope. <laughs> See, really? you th- you'd think that, <laughs> but they're actually supposed to be chestnuts. Angry, angry, no. orc-like chestnuts. Crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. we learned something new every day. Wow, fun times. What have you been up to, Caleb? Uh, I just finished rereading for maybe the seventh or eighth time the Dresden Files series of books. When are we playing a game in the Dresden Files, Caleb? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe sometime. We should play it in the city with all the vultures. 
oh, we should go back to that horrible, horrible place. No. Yes. Uh, well, it's the one place see, we all have a reference point for. <laughs> we could just say we're there. Don't have to physically be there, do we? Oh, yeah. No, I, no, I no. We don't the atmosphere. But I, I've heard that the, the Dresden Files, you'd like make the city and the setting like as your character creating. So that's why I'm like, we could we could be in the Vulture place because we've all been there. That's true. The uh, the actual official role playing game made by Evil Hat does let you create a city and uh, cast uh, a little environment within that world following those mechanics from scratch. So, sure, we could set it in horrible Vulture City, Ohio. Yes. But, I don't know. The, uh... I love that series, but it just... I'm really getting a little bit tired of it, I think. Uh-oh. It's it's 15 books long now. Uh-oh. It doesn't really get interesting until book 14. Wow. And then it's uh, then it's still just lots of exposition and lots of, oh, this will be great when it actually happens kind of moments. And there were a lot of jokes that I find very offensive now that I did not find offensive when I was first reading the series a few years ago. Do you have an example? Uh, yeah. Um, at one point... One of the characters decides that in order to create a cover in the real world, he will pretend to be a gay hairdresser. Okay. Uh, Harry, the main character, is then assumed to be this fella's lover. Okay. So there are pages and pages of him playing the tv gay stereotype from the 90s in order to maintain this cover and that is followed then by his friends in the police department uh making fun of him by buying really stereotypical gay things on ebay like like posters of musicals and things oh. like that, because obviously that's all you care about. Oh. And and part and part of me is like, okay, it's it was written a while ago. There's obviously been a big cultural change since then. I don't think he was trying to be offensive or intentionally harming anybody. Right. He was just he was writing a character who would do arguably this. would do that because right. he was kind of dumb. And he is that male stereotype. I'm going to play to the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think he wrote it with any malice or ill intent, but just reading it now, it feels so. Ugh. Ugh. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and say, Jim Butcher, if you'd like to come to a Catacon 2016 and explain yourself on a panel, you're more than welcome to. Although uh, Jim Butcher is kind of a beast right now. He works out all the fucking time. I'm a little bit scared of him. Yeah, I'm not fucking scared I, of you. So uh, come on down. <laughs> Whoa, Caleb! I, I really want to know uh, why you know Jim Butcher's exercise schedule and what he looks like, because uh, your obsession with these books is getting a little concerning. And I'm gonna start to feel like now I know why you're so offended by the stereotypes he put in his books. <laughs> uh, wait a minute! <laughs> wait a minute! Oh man! What, what's going Scott on here? Just, wait a minute! Scott just spiked that ball in your face! Wow! I, I have no response. I have no way to come back from that. So let's just move on to our next 
segment here. Perfect. Used books. Uh, This is where we bring up a dead campaign or a concept of a campaign that never got fully realized. I went last week. Who's going this week, guys? I'm going to go. I found my orange folder. Whoa. Thank you for that explanation of the visual bits for this audio podcast. You are a professional. I'm getting pretty good at audio bits. So uh, what do you got for us, Matthew? So um, I started a campaign with my friends last August. Uh, Basically, I brought some books on a camping trip, and they all wanted to play D&D. And I was like, sure, let's play D&D. So we all made characters. Some of them made characters before they showed up, and other ones made them when we got there. And then they were like, okay, so what's going on in the world? I was like, well, let's make it together. So we all made this world together. You know, we we established, you know, who's uh, a stereotypical, like, race. Like, the drow were still, like, evil, living in caves, spider-worshipping nonsense. We established that the dragonborn lived in a continent far away, and they weren't as, as seen as others, and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, let's start a, let's start a city. What kind of city you guys want? They were like, let's do a lake city like in uh, The Hobbit. And I was like, okay, great. So we started there in this floating town and they were working for this mercenary guild called the Violet Storm. And and they had a gig and everything. And the campaign got off to a really great start. And uh, they some people had deeper backstories than others. I had one guy who who said his dad was like a was a, was a bit of a uh, of a ladies man and had all these kids everywhere so I mapped out this kids like family tree of all these uh, relations that he has on both sides of his family and then one guy has this really mysterious upbringing that actually leads him back to another place and then one guy is actually on the run from the drow empire and all this nonsense and then I have people dropping out one guy says to me he goes you know I really enjoyed playing in person, but playing online, I just don't feel like wasting two hours of my night like that. And I just looked at him and went, wow. Okay. Great. Thanks. I didn't, I didn't. Okay, cool. Whatever. Jeez, buddy. Why why would you do me like that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You only think that seeing to me in three dimensions in person is the reward for you? Not not talking to me? My eyes are up here. Yeah, exactly. It's like we're still hanging out. I mean, we're just doing it through the way that we can do from the fact that we're all in separate states, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's not my fault you guys all got better jobs and kids and careers and lives. Well, see, yeah, exactly. Alone, still working at the bowling alley, like spraying shoes every night, but like, damn it, I want to play games. I know it's around it. Okay. Okay. Caleb, this is getting deep. Mute Scott. This is, this is some deep shit that's coming out. Hey, you know what? That's what we got to do sometimes. Just uh, it if, if role-playing games are the greatest art form humanity can produce... Oh, man. How many Jim McClure references can we have in one episode? You, you started it, sir. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. If, if Breakfast know. Club taught me anything about uh, school detention, it's it's that this is where all of your, your, your significant personal evolution will come, yeah, right? Yeah. If, it, if if Breakfast Club taught me anything about school detention, I should be having sushi right now, right? I would like a Captain Crunch sandwich, please. Oh, well, 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 I, I can like... do that for you. Did we just invent something new? <laughs> no, there's there's a place uh, down the street and around the corner that has Captain Crunch French toast, and they make it into a sandwich, or you can put uh, a, uh, oh, what do they call that? 
That thing where it's like a sandwich, but it's fried and it's nothing. A Monte Cristo? Yeah. Oh, cool. There's actually a German place by me that does Captain Crunch chicken, which is amazing. Ooh. Is that yeah. one of those street vendors that you walk by every day? Yeah, yeah it's one of those street vendors. They're on uh, 69th and uh, 69th. It's like a great corner a, to be on. That was just a bad dose. There's no 69th and 69th. Anyway, um, so yeah, that that was like the first guy who like hard quit on me. And then one guy is uh, engaged and in school at the same time, so his schedule kind of fluctuated. And then I have my two hardcore guys who were uh, Corey, you guys might remember, and then another friend. And they were just like down to clown all the time. And then my other friend come to learn later on that he actually just got his wife pregnant. So then he kind of fell off the face of the earth and school got, you know, he's a teacher. So school got hard and he was like, all right, maybe we'll pick it up in the summer. And so basically the campaign kind of went. And I have all this stuff going on in my brain and in these pieces of paper over here and it's dead. So, so tell us more about the stuff. I mean, you you keep this in an orange folder. It's clearly very important to you. Well, I mean, what, it kept what, it all together. What, what was coming out of this orange folder? What what great things? What epic curves were well, were waiting that other people could take from you as seeds of ideas okay. and plant well, their own campaign trees for their own lazy, good for nothing <laughs> friends to not bother to show up to? Thank you, Scott. <laughs> oh, you make me feel so good about this. Um. So uh, I named the, the the mayor of this lake city, Duke Riverthorn. That was kind of a fun thing. I started out with a medium magic. Like I had them decide, like, do you guys want low magic? you want medium magic? you want high magic? And they said medium magic. And then one day they met the mayor. And they're talking to the mayor because they just, like, saved the city. And he's like, oh, I want to give you guys a key to the city, yada, yada, yada. And they're like, oh, great. Well, we got to head out now. So when are you free And next so we can do this? And he's like, uh... And I had him yell out the door to the bear he rode to their 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 little barracks. And he said, when am I free? And the bear answered like his friggin' secretary. And I'm like, well, there goes media magic right out the friggin' window. Talking goddamn bear. Fuck me. It might not be magic. I mean, there are owl bears. Owl bears aren't inherently magical. They, they just evolved, right? From owls and bears mating. But it's so. just like stupid shit like that that I was just like, well... I'm an idiot. Whatever. I made them um like the 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 blah, blah, blah. the mercenary guild they were part of was a big organization, but then each group was like a little like specialized unit. And when the specialized unit got specialized enough, they got to have like a sub a sub name, you know, like Rogue Squadron. So so this was the Amway yes, of yeah. mercenaries. So they, <laughs> You go into a town, you set up a franchise. All right, so what, So here's what you do. You go into a town, you, you find a new rogue. When a rogue wants to work under you, you then get 10% of their taking. Now, that rogue can then take two other yeah. rogues and teach them how to rogue. That rogue gets 10%, but then you get an additional 10% kicked yeah. up the ladder. See how this is going? Those rogues, that one's on your right wing, one's on your left wing. Your left wing's more dominant. That's what you get your, uh, that's what you get your profit from. Yeah, so that's uh, what I did. And, um, and so they had like a, a rival, a rival, you know, group that was a little bit ahead of them. They were the silver hairs and I named their, their guys. You had Gary. He was an elf. He was a wizard with two wands. So he was gunslinging wizard. There was a clever. Yeah. 
Gary the Elf. Gary the Gunslinging was probably a nickname. Uh, We didn't get this far. Actually, I think I made up. Actually, I did Did make up his last name. I think his last name was going to be. um... It's G A apostrophe Y R I I I X. Something like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, but it's pronounced Gary. <laughs> so, and then they had a, a cleric whose name was Jesus, <laughs> just because. What? Whatever, right? Because I'm an idiot. Um, they had a tiefling uh, fighter whose name was Horror, and he was kind of scary. And then they had Spike, who was a half orc. Um, I want to say barbarian, but I'm not sure. And uh, so they. I'm starting to learn how you yeah, run. Well, campaigns. I haven't run one yet for us, so this is kind of like a, um, like a a look behind the curtain of my brain. It's a full, yeah, it's I actually, preview. I'm actually little thinking little about writing, uh, running a totally improvised game at a catacon, like this, like I did, just like people come with characters and we just make it up as we go. And I, pl- well, yeah, people I want people to come with characters to save time. I'm Blaze exactly. Lockstep, expert Perfect. time traveler. And the, the, like, you know how you have to describe the game? The description for the game is going to be a conversation between me and Michael, like, scripted out. It's going to be like, Matt, you need to run another game. Michael, I really don't want to run any more games. Matt, I really need you to run another game. Fine, just put, pick a slot for me. There you go. There's your slot. What kind of game are you going to run? 5e. What kind of game is it? I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and it's just going to be like this whole, like, dialogue between me and him that doesn't actually happen. And it's like, that's the game. You want to come? Come. If not, I'll be playing Cards Against Humanity with myself. Didn't uh, Rich, 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 what's his name? Didn't he run a game last year for, that that was uh, entirely made up on the spot based on what the players wanted? They're like, we want a heist, and we want this, and we want that. And he brought in all these elements. They gave him some names, and he ran this uh, really challenging game. That, and then uh, he talked about it in his uh, like invitation conference after and he talked about how uh, just using these these basic elements he was still able to challenge the group of players beyond their ability to rely on their character sheets to save them right there's like no role for the moral dilemma they ended up in interesting i did not hear about this rich rich howard which which rich which 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 rich which rich which uh the, the the one who uh made that amazing bdsm game oh john wick Wick. John Wick. Oh, with the, with with the, yeah. with the stuffed animal, and, Caleb, and the weird. Let's talk about that again. The weirdness. You did great. You, you listen. Not. I watched that let's happen. Not. I saw your gears turning. You did great. <laughs> if anyone else knew what was sure. going on, they would have never known that that was literally insanity happening in front of them. And you handled it like a complete champion. I I was worried for my life. What, in what, that, in, what in the hell that, did I miss? Wait, in that you flash of that, happening, Scott? I said this when is he how was I giving die. out this when he was this giving is out the baskets. He was pulling the names, and then John Wick came up with the monster on his hand. It was like, oh, monster, read now. And Caleb was just like, uh. Oh, I how did I miss I that know. moment? I was there. Dude, it was how awesome because I'm watching Caleb like panic in his cool. head, but keep it totally cool. Like this monster's his best friend. He's known him for years. It was the best. I was so proud of him. 
I think I was channeling Luke, uh, Lou Abbott. Okay, Bud Abbott. Fine. Sorry, Bud Abbott. I respect you. I, I think I think I just I just pulled that epitome mm-hmm. archetype straight man out of the ethos and said, "This is all I can grasp onto in this moment where my death is upon me." But that's um that's a pretty cool campaign uh mm-hmm. concept that you brought up. I think what we could pull out of there for the listeners is not only the fun that can be had from having your players collaboratively bring up elements mm-hmm. to incorporate into a game, uh, but also the concept of kind of establishing an anti-party, an opposing force out there yeah. to work with. So, so this this is the the typical. There's another party of adventurers after yeah. you kind of trope. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, I think if anyone has read Order of the Stick, they know that exact evil opposites joke, which is always funny. And uh, um, and I uh, I was really tired of how they were kind of acting, so I just like had an epiphany one night, and I'm like, I'm gonna give them what they want. So I just asked them in like a Facebook chat. I said, what do you, what, what do you guys want? Like, wh- what's your goal? And the one guy actually had like a legitimate goal. He was like, I kind of want to find my, my family where I come from. And I was like, okay, great. So that's a story goal. We could work on that. And then three other people were like, I just want all the money. And I was like, fine. And then one guy said, I just can't wait till I get wish. So I said, okay, I can do this. So they came upon a dragon horde at one point. After they watched the dragon get murked by the BBEG, um, they ran off, ran upon the thing's dragon horde. And I was like, okay, guys, I'm not going to count out the gold coins, but whatever you need, you have. So whatever you want to do, you're good. Because I don't care. Like, money doesn't matter to me. Like, if you're going to buy up the economy and ruin it, like, that, whatever, it's an hour. I'll fix it tomorrow. Um, and the, I made the one guy find a wishing ring. And I was like, okay, it works just like Wish. So, like, one of the, the last set, the last game, he actually used it. And he wished to be transported from where they were back to, like, this dwarf city that they had come from. And I said, well, what do you say exactly? He says, I wish we were back in, um, what's the name of the place? Uh, the, the Forge Chorus Mountains. And I said, okay, you show up there and everything is different. He's like... What do you mean everything is different? I'm like, well, you you show up in the in the room that you said, but the people living in that room are not the people you remember. So they're running around this city. They finally find their contact, and she comes up to them and she's like, "Hey, where have you guys been?" And I and I and she's he's like, "What do you mean? We we were we were just gone." She's like, "It's been three months. Where have you guys been?" And they were just like, "Oh," I was like, "Yeah." You gotta be careful with those wishes. <laughs> and then the game stopped. Uh, well, I'm sure you would have had something very interesting happen in those three months. Yeah, she was pregnant, so that was interesting Whoa. enough. And with one of the Whoa. with one of the players' uh, kids, so that was a. Uh... Whoa! Yeah, one of the players' kids, not a character yeah. kid. No, the players' kids, exactly. Yeah, they went meta. Wow, that's yeah. a crazy game. Alrighty, so let's move on to our final segment, Class Review. Uh, Last time we talked about the fighter, why don't we move on to the 
next stereotypical member of that classic four-person D&D party. The druid. The oh, rogue. Shit. I, I, I thought I knew it. I didn't. <laughs> no one wants to be a uh, druid. Th- this is why you're in detention, <laughs> Matt. Because I'm an idiot. Why are you here? Because I'm... I don't know. I, I got on the short bus. I keep answering all the <laughs> teachers' questions before everybody else does. Perfect. I don't know Alrighty. how to talk to human beings, as uh, previously <laughs> you, indicated. You only talk to rocks. Learn how to socialize <laughs> you only talk from to rocks. Computer. That's right. They're my only friends. Geology. Okay, so the rogue. The rouge. The rogue. In my, the rouge. The rouge. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that... Uh, in its original form, we had a thief, mm-hmm. just straight up, I'm a thief. You wanted someone to be sneaky and break locks and steal things. And then that evolved at some point into the rogue class we know now. Uh, there are, in my opinion, two different perceptions of the rogue. There is the, I'm going to say three different perceptions. There is the nimble, agile, acrobatic character. There is the street thug, I'm going to stab you in the back character. And there is the charming, charisma-based, I'm going to out-talk and manipulate you Mm -hmm. character. Wait, wait, but, I mean, all the episodes we've uh, had of Rod Iron, you you, you forgot the swashbuckler. Built to be rogue. Okay, yeah, you're right, there's there's a swashbuckler. I, I guess we could say that's kind of the nimble... Dexterous, dexterous archetype there. Thought it was a swashbuckler right? five vengeance paladin one. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's the intersection of the Venn diagrams, right? That 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 uh, you, you have dexterity, you have uh, you know uh, charisma or swank, and then you have uh, that third thing you listed. I wasn't paying attention. I'm in detention. Bru- the bruiser, the brawler, the I stab mm-hmm. you in the back there you go. character. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, the there's thug. a definite Venn diagram overlap between those archetypes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like, yeah, the core of all three is basically pirate. And mm-hmm. you've got your rogue. You're, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I've always liked the rogue as a character. But I've always felt that it was a really easily abusable stereotype. I, I think whenever you think rogue, you always think of that backstabbing, conniving, I'm going to betray the party, I just want gold, I just want to stab someone and move on kind of class. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot there's a lot more options with the class, and there's a lot more role-playing options, but I think the rogue class, just when you say, I'm going to play a rogue, it automatically creates this expectation so and 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 that's hard to overcome at times. You're you're absolutely right. The meta has been spoiled by uh, everyone's first intro to the game having the excuse to be a complete pain in the ass. That's 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 rough. But that being said, it's a fun class to play because typically you have a lot of options mechanically. You've uh, you've got the the backstab option or sneak attack, mm-hmm. however you want to call it. Essentially, you do a shit ton of extra damage in the appropriate circumstance. 
in in fourth edition world, rogues fell under the striker archetype, meaning that they were really mobile and they could do a lot of damage to one person mm-hmm. really fast, which makes perfect sense. So I'm okay with that. Uh, but then you support that rogues typically have the most uh, skills and skill ranks, although that's also could go towards the bard. But well, we're not talking about them the, right now. The, the difference is that the, the, the bard has is the generalist, right? And the rogue is the specialist. You, you get to over-focus on a few skills uh, earlier and better than the bard does. So, you know, the traditional disabled device, right? You know, and, and, and the role certainly that in third edition, if you didn't have a rogue, you were just mechanically banned from from not getting soaking up damage from traps. Right. Um, but uh, so, yeah, they, they can rack up disabled device, especially with tool focus here, which is uh, a really interesting extension of, of their skill sets. And uh, they get to focus. Uh, they still get to pick a lot of skills. So, so you won't uh, lag behind anybody, certainly. Well, that's another thing I felt a little bit was unfair about the rogues in that typical classic dungeon delve explore the ruins kind mm-hmm. of game if you didn't have a rogue either you would just walk into every trap ever or the gm had to get really creative and create encounters that didn't depend on having a rogue but again that's that archetype that expectation in the I expect D&D to be walk through the dungeon, pick the trap, fight the monster, have someone casting heal. <laughs> it just fits. But the game's evolved a lot, and that doesn't happen very often anymore. It's true. I mean, to, you know, I feel like in, in fantasy books, we'll, we'll often encounter that, 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 uh, that blockade or that wall or that conflict that only one character is really skilled enough or has the appropriate abilities to surpass. But but uh, it doesn't make tend to make for very fun games, right? And I feel like uh, certainly classic D and D, you know, most of the classes got that that uh, you know hit that right with, um, you know, if you have a wizard uh, and you encounter an arcane lock, right, your your wizard's the only one who can get past that, right? No amount of the the you know beating on the steel door, no amount of of picking the lock will get you past it. And if you don't have that magical, you know, the the blue key, then uh, you're sunk, right? But uh, even though we've gone more away from that, I feel like in in terms of casters, for some reason that the rogue remains this holdout of if you didn't bring lockpicks, then you're just gonna skip whole sections of a dungeon, or you have to plan around either having one or not. And they're the only ones who seem to consistently have encounters or uh, things that are designed specifically for them. So, what about you, Matthew? What's your opinion on? The roguey charlatan character. I mean, I like the uh, the like the <clears throat> the entertainer part of the rogue, even though it's not as um, strong in their their skill set. But I like that rogues are good at everything. That's like the one thing I really like about the rogue, the jack of all trades thing. But a lot of other things about the rogue just seem not in my wheelhouse. Like I'm not really a thiefy type guy usually. I like murdering people but i like murdering people when they're looking at me you know like um like my friends a long time ago wanted to play a uh a naruto 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 that show with the ninjas with the 
Yes, I yeah, Naruto. That was Naruto. Yeah. They wanted Naruto. to play a Naruto game, and I was like, yeah, we can play that. I'm just being a samurai, though, and you guys can do whatever the hell you want, jumping around, hiding in shadows, making demons come out. I'll just walk up and knock on the front door and say, I'm coming in to kill you all. <laughs> so that's always been my type of guy, so... Um, but I do enjoy like the skill set that a rogue brings, especially when you spice up your, uh, your life with it in when building a character, but I've never been much of a rogue myself. Although one might consider me a rogue in real life because I am dastardly. I, I, uh, one thing I've enjoyed about the rogue is that uh, once you get past the, you know, stealing treasure from your friends and making horrible issues, uh, they they do expose players to to a different sort of uh, level of strategy than fighter often does. Fighter has you know usually defined by the one trick pony that you use all the time against everyone ever. Sort of maybe the sorcerer equivalent, right? Oh, fireball! If fireball can't get me out of the situation, then more fireball is better, right? That's all I got. But um, you know the 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 rogue tends to have uh, like we said finesse, right? Like you build a trip rogue. And so against something that's two size categories larger than you in third edition or whatever, like impossible. But otherwise, you're you're helping out everybody. You're doing your thing. You know, you 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 have a specialized role or you have certain situations or circumstances in which you're really helpful. Right. Somebody uh, who's really good at hiding, who has dark vision. Right. So uh, maybe usually the party has to carry around the lantern for that one jerk who really insisted on taking human because they needed that feat or whatever. But uh, on the occasions when it is pitch black, someone casts darkness on you guys, right? You're doing great. You've got blind fighting. You're awesome. So um, I, I think you can take it a lot of places, a lot of ways. Rogues definitely fill a lot of different roles in the game. Um, even though they all work on that same, very similar archetype they naturally do a lot of different things and it's really easy to use a rogue to do a lot of different things you know you always think of the the piratey swashbuckly dastardly kind of character but you can very easily take that into the the jack of all trades the skill monkey you can take that into the i'm going to out talk out maneuver out tactical everyone so even though it can get kind of messy, the rogue class does let you do a lot. And its core class abilities tend to be pretty flexible. It almost always has the, I'm going to do a lot of damage right now in this moment ability. But after that, it can do a lot more. Uh, in 5th in edition, the archetypes, uh, there's the thief, so you're mo focused more on doing sneaky things. There's the assassin. I don't know how Rogue always goes to Assassin. I, I think that's a, a thing in more recent games, just playing off the I'm a spy, I'm a bad guy, I do all the damage kind of thing. Uh, I'm sure it has something to do with that one series of video games I can't remember right now. Assassin's Creed. Oh, right. Video games uh, and well, movie and now? It's... Yeah. it's, it's also right, because nice Magneto to needs to put on to another avoid the whole dealing thing you know you're an assassin you're not a thief right it slants them against the uh idea of picking everyone's pocket until you end up in jail rather than rescuing mm. the MacGuffin. right and then there's the other archetype where you get magic because if you're a melee character you always get the option of somehow doing magic i sure, mean why not well because pickpocket with mage hand hundred times more awesome than pickpocket without. I mean, one it of my favorite cool. melee characters recently got the ability to use magic, so I can't I can't front about this. I mean, 
she was bopping around as a monk and now she's doing magic so so what about the rogue concept in other games where uh where does it exist there um Hmm. I, I think you hit on that uh, really well in the beginning of the segment, right? That uh, things with high dexterity, things with uh, charisma where you're talking out, right? And things with a thuggish persona, right? Sure, I, sure. I, I immediately go to Shadowrun because that's one of the games I really love a lot. And even though in current editions there are a lot of different options, there's no specific class. Shadowrun, you just buy abilities and make whatever you want. Interestingly, in Shadowrun, the genre, the flavor, has class titles, but the mechanics does not. But those uh, those genre flavor titles are very overarching. However, there's a pretty strong argument that almost every class in Shadowrun is a rogue of some sort. You're probably a criminal. By default of the game, you're not part of society. So you're on its outskirts. You steal a lot of things. You do sneaky, infiltrating mm-hmm. jobs. And you disable a lot of devices. It's all disabled you devices. You just have 10-foot poles everywhere. <laughs> so so basically, this, this is uh, very much like an example that Matthew gave from our, our last attention of the all-fighter party. This is the all-rogue party. It's an entire genre where everyone has levels in rogue and also something else. Yeah, just on top of that concept of being roguish, sometimes you have magic, sometimes you control robots, sometimes you have cybernetic enhancement or magic enhancement or you disappear into the internet or magic internet or whatever. But yeah, at its core, I think everyone's a rogue in Shadowrun. I think that just makes sense. I still want to play Shadowrun. I'm really enjoying this theme of of finding a genre where uh, everyone plays the same class of the class we're talking about. I really uh, look forward to when we get down to Bard finally <laughs> and we can just talk about playing Rock Band. Oh, oh, my Bourbon Street Boys? I totally want to play that campaign. Bourbon Street Boys. Well, it's Bourbon <laughs> Street Boys because you have to be 51% Bard to be in the party. And Bourbon is, has to be 51% Corn. So Bourbon Street Boys to avoid I mean, any that copyright. Holds up. That's science. That's science. Not to mention the the barbarian really kind of gets my goat going. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a winner. Yep. That's uh that was the scald class. Exactly the scald. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Three five. That was amazing because uh you know you you they had a lot of instrument proficiencies and it turns out yelling was one that where you didn't have to equip an <laughs> instrument and they could never take it from you. It didn't take yep. a hand. That's how abusive three five was. Mm-hmm. So what other mechanics or systems has a good example of a rogue? And anything else come to mind here? I mean, a good example? Or I mean, I know that Iron Kingdoms has a bunch of rogues. I would say that uh, any pirate-based setting, like Spelljammer, lots of rogues. Right. Uh, Seventh Sea, which is now a thing again. That's a lot of piratey roguish characters um we played uh, we played a campaign of 13th age and there I we was go. the and i was the rogue in that party you were a um, rogue i, I <laughs> thought you just would a deadbeat boyfriend who never 
ever called or cared about his poor oh, girlfriend who's kidnapped don't, for so long. I don't know why I brought that up. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a good example of mechanics that let give you the freedom to choose how you want to be a rogue. Thirteenth mm-hmm. uh, Age lets you just pick your class abilities out of a big list. So you could it gives you a couple core abilities, but then yeah. you can pick the ones you focus in. So if you wanted to be the quick talking rogue, you could pick more influence and manipulation based powers. If you wanted to be the I stab you in the face or kidneys kind of rogue. You could pick those powers. So it was very flexible with how you wanted to play and demonstrate the principles of that class. And if you wanted to be Indiana Jones and just, you know, pal around with a couple of friends, you could pick those powers too. You know, I I think you can have that intention to start with, but then your agency gets taken away and your life goes to hell. It's, it, that's my only experience with the game, so I assume that happens to every rogue ever. You were just playing Indiana Jones only in the Temple of Doom once shit goes to hell, right? Uh. <laughs> that was the only, t- you know, uh. like like Indiana Jones once they've opened the Ark of the Covenant. That that that's that whole campaign. That's what that was. I mean, that I'd be okay with melting Nazis, thumbs up, uh, quicksand, lava pits made with cream of wheat, thumbs down. I, I want to avoid. Temple of Doom. Don't like Temple of Doom. No Temple of Doom. How about but Kingdom yeah. of the Crystal Skull? Uh, let's. Can we stop talking about depressing things? Too soon. I'm. I'm, I'm just bummed out right now. All right. It's still <laughs> so, too soon. It's still too soon. Wait. So uh, that's that's the rogue. Let's just wrap it up. Let's put a bow on it. Um, any anything else we want to wrap up with the rogue here? And any final closing thoughts? Star Wars has space rogues, but I haven't really played that either. So. Oh, yeah. What, what, what were we thinking? Han Solo, by definition, he is yep. the rogue in space. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I encourage people to play a rogue without the traditional stealing part, right? Mm-hmm. Play oh, yeah. a rogue with a vow of poverty. Steal lots of stuff. Donate it all to the poor, right? You, Don't you steal can... from your friends. Like, that That should be a, a, a rule of, of thumb. But, like, even if you think it's going to be funny, like, one time, that's all it's going to be funny. Just that one time. And then well, give it if, back. If you think your your friend the necromancer uh, killing you and then reanimating your corpse so that you can't make another player, you have to keep playing the zombie they drag with you is funny. Then you're <laughs> going to enjoy stealing from the party. That's how that's going to go. Well, there you go, guys. That was a, another period here in detention. So for myself, for Scott, for Matthew, for everyone at the RPG Academy Network, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Toodaloo. I love you. How do we do, like, an intro-outro chalkboard skit like The Simpsons? How, we, we have to be doing that somehow. Ba, ba, do you have ba, chalkboard ba, sounds? Da, 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 da. Like that? You want, me to, you want me to say, Hey, you there. You're in detention. Come here. Let me give you a pass. Get out of here. You little shit. There you go. Put that there. I could I could do it in a bad German accent. Yeah, come here, you stupid child. You are being very, very bad in kindergarten. So und you're drinking the tension. Und you're drinking the beers. Und you're being so naughty. Naughty. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.